I was asked to talk about the elements tonight, Datu. Generally translated as Datu, as as elements rather, sometimes properties or even behaviors or qualities, because they're. the, the use of the word datu covers a whole range of phenomena, not just physical ones. Um, and it's an example of the way that the Buddha tried to um, classify experience. So he used several, several ways of doing that. One of them is the kanda classification, where things are experienced seen in terms of aggregates or kanda uh, one is the sense base where things are seen in terms of eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind um, one is the indriya which deal with particular um, faculties or um, such as masculinity, femininity things that predominate in any particular moment happiness faculty or unhappiness faculty you know the particular you know, bit that's touching you right now, you experience Indriya. Indriya is the leader. And another one was Datu, elements. Um, and and the general reason why the Buddha did this because in all of these uh, this kind of classification, the, the the sense of being them or belonging to them, it can be cleared because one's awareness sees these or feels these or senses these in some way of being an object rather than being the subject so that the subject is liberated mm. what that subject is can't be can't be named because you know, because when you put a name on it that's another thing it's an object mm. but uh, the significant thing about the, the datu um, classification was it includes nibbana, and and the deathless is also the deathless element, or the nibbana element. So, you know, so you know, it gives you an idea of the way that that term is used. Because of course, nibbana is not a lump of anything. Deathless is not a particular tangible tactile uh, tactile object, or anything that's got a shape or form to it. So we might say the something like a behaviour. So the, be- the deathless behavior is non-clinging. You know that's its that's its attribute. That the non-clinging quality, if you can, you know, <laughs> which is useful just as a way of conceiving. You know, so whenever there's non-clinging, that degree of non-clinging, that sense of openness or letting go of space, we call the deathless element. So it's it, it's discernible, but it isn't anything. So, using something like behavior sometimes helps to um, give us the, more the significance of of the datu, particularly when we most often use in terms of the body, what we call body or rupa, which means literally something like shape or form. And then you have the four great elements. So the the rupa is considered to be the 
the four great elements form, shape. Most often this is saying, well, this particular form, this bodily form, but it doesn't just refer to that. It refers to trees, anything that can, has shape to it or is formed, such as stones or bricks or rivers or clouds or anything like that. There's a certain rupa to it. It has a shape. It's cognizable in that particular way. It's boundaries and limits. And <coughs> so the four elements, the earth, air, earth, fire, water and air, or properties or behaviours. And the, So the behaviour of earth is it's solid. It has its sense of occupies space. It, it um, is consistent, solid, firm, um, has that, so it behaves like that. Whereas the behaviour of fire is it heats. It warms. It, vi- it has this vitality to it. So, so it, fire is said to be the, gen- the life generator. So it's not just physical heat, but it's also the kind of vitality principle. Is fire vibrancy? So there's an energetic quality to it. You might say that energy is one way of talking about fire. Air is the the mobile, just like the wind. Um, breath in the body, wind in the, in the outsiders, and things that that follow that particular have that particular characteristic to them, airy, windy, and um, water is has the sense of sticking things together. It melts everything together. So you put something into water, and it, the water tends to to bind into that property, it soaks, you know, so it, the water gets soaked up, um, you know, it absorbs, it, co- it sticks in, it clings, and it, uh, and it, it melts things down into a, into a unity. You put you know, crystals of sugar in water, and you'll end up with uh, all that sugar dissolves and becomes, you know, is bound into the fluid, so it, it, the, the fluid water element is that which sticks things together. You know, it both dissolves things which are separate, the separateness of things. It breaks down the separation of things into a unity and cohesive. So, in this sense, it also has the quality of giving things shape. So something that has no water in it can't take shape. It's like dust. It just won't stand up, it falls apart because it's got nothing to bind it together into a shape. So there are obvious um, characteristics of these elements that we might say, oh yeah, earth is just mud and soil, fire is flames and air is wind and water is rivers and streams. And what's that going to do with me, my body? And then we might recognise, oh, there is uh, you know, saliva and urine and blood and there is meat and bones, and then there's there's warmth, and then there's also um, um, there's also something the the sense of um, space, which is the fifth element, which gives things their dimension, gives us a sense of spatial dimension. Things occupy space. Space is that which allows things to enter into it, 
pass through it. So these elements can be extended. Consciousness is the seventh element, which is that which has the sense of knowing something. That's its property. Cognizing, forming an immaterial experience out of a material one. So that, that's the that's the nature of consciousness. And so these you know, there there are many, many of these particular elements, but we talk primarily about the four or the five, first four or five. And recognizing of course that the whole aim of the Buddha's teaching and use these things was to for the point of the cessation of suffering, not an interesting um, you know, scientific experiment. For its own, just for his own, for his own sake, but but to eliminate suffering. Mm. So how does it do that? How does this help? Because when we begin to <coughs> um, recognize how things in nature that are born out of nature, that are formed out of nature and conditions, are held to be mine and me, and so. You know that which is actually a part of nature, formed out of nature, dissolves into natural elements, is sensed to be mine. Then there's some stress there because there's some there's a bit of piracy going on, you know. And then it isn't mine actually, but it it's said to be mine. And so there's some struggle goes on when it starts to behave differently from how I want it to be. Uh, or there can be a whole sense of um, conceit or vanity or or disgust over something that's got mind slapped on it it's not good enough or it's wonderful or um, I want you to say it's good enough so this particularly occurs around the bodily form so there's some stress there bodily body is born you know lives on Food goes into food and water and air goes into it. That's what keeps it going, not me. Um, it's bound out of that, and then eventually, whatever um, agencies occur, sooner or later it breaks up, and it sickens, and it, it changes its shape, and it flakes, and it dries out, and then it it crumbles and dies. We call it dying. It breaks up and goes back into the earth again. So that that's what that is. You know that. We look at the body in that particular way, and so when we re- contemplate body, our own body in this particular way, and the bodies of other people, some of the sense of div- division, divisiveness, and comparisons, and uh, um, you know, aversion and vanity, you know, begin to be seen as rather kind of irrelevant. You know, they're they're relevant only. In Generating stress. That's the <laughs> so we need to put them aside. You know, this this thing that I look at in the mirror is like this. You know, and and this isn't even a very a very complete appraisal of the whole world of form because we just look at the skin or the surface of the skin. You take a peel a millimeter of skin off, just not very much at all. But it's rather different. You know, it's kind of red and pulpy. And then, you know, the skin tends to blotch or wrinkle with age. It changes its character. So then, oh dear, 
you know, this is only really a very kind of surface of it and the rest of it remains we don't see it and we do see it, it's quite um, quite startling and then when you, if your body you start to carve a body up if you go, you see these forensic things, autopsies and you dissect the body and eventually it just looks like just a heap of stuff like a, something just thrown out of the back door of a butcher shop with bits and pieces and tubes and pipes and kind of wet slimy pieces and bony bits and so on and there it is you know and when it's all stuck together and wrapped up in some skin and in the right kind of light it looks pretty good <laughs> <laughs> some say anyway you know <laughs> And then, of course, but it doesn't quite look that good enough if you look at it too closely. So you sort of well, tie it up a bit, and that's that's the game, isn't it? And uh, you know, social game, because uh, one was, does want to be one does want to be accepted and generally treated benevolently. So this is your 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 visitor's card is the is this outward appearance is what you put down and saying well, I'm okay you know I'm clean I'm I'm interesting I'm you know all right so you put that down there so you get some sense of relationship going with other people but uh, so it's quite a quite a business that mm. and and then we can also we look around and we see these physical forms and we can kind of infer all kinds of things about them you know. but the one of the aims of using that particular analysis is just to see it like that well, there's a form there it's occupying some space it's, it's earth, we call it the earth element there's a shape to it it's the water element you, know, you just see it like that and then you know, whoever, whatever there's a sense of the, the mind's um, proliferations can be held in check. The inferences can be held. I mean, and the mind becomes quite peaceful. There's that. Mm-hmm. When you see another human being, you get some kind of resonance occurs, which doesn't occur when you see a, a wall or a stone. Uh, and the more the more you relate to that thing, you know, more you kind of empathise with it, the stronger the resonance is. So if it's something like a duck, you might get a little bit going. Um, you know, a horse, a little bit more. A dog, definitely quite a lot. A cat, you know, your own cat or dog, a lot going. A uh, human being, certainly the chimes start ringing. Um, it's not necessarily liking or disliking, but it's kind of it's on the radar screen. Is this is a significant object here? And then, well, how do I feel about that? And how does it feel about me? It starts happening. Mm. We, there's a whole lot of signalling goes on. So just being able to see these, what one is actually seeing is a form. Mm. You see that form, and. The rest of it is the result of the the signalling, the triggering and the signalling, the perception and the, and the um, feeling, particularly the perception aggregate. Mm. 
what we how we interpret something. And that gets uh, there's a lot in that. There's a lot of uh, value and meaning and so on going on in that. Um, not all positive. So just for the kind of resting the mind, just that we had to go back to well, these are form, just these these are forms. So you don't feel so um, so nervous or activated by the presence of other people. So you can just, you can you can use that. Mm. So, so things calm, cool down, calm down, a bit more space, where? And then perhaps when you have that reference, then you can, okay, that's what's actually I can see with my eye. Now, what is, now then you can examine the perception aggregate more objectively. Oh, I feel quite um, nervous, or I feel warmed, or I feel, mm, I don't feel as good as that person. You know, okay, there's that. Not to deny that, that, but then it's slightly separate, isn't it? That's the perception thing, and there's that particular form. So we're able to recognise, you know, what what actually am I putting onto that form right now? Not voluntarily; it's kind of an, an automatic thing, but certainly we are, um, you know, painting, perceptually painting over the particular form. And we come back to the form itself; it's just that, you know occupies a certain amount of space, it's the shape to it, uh-huh, there it is. <coughs> and it's quite cooling. So the aim of this is not to <coughs> really say, well, that's all there is there, but just to acknowledge that when I use an analysis like that, it affects how I am right now. It, it changes the the... The inner experiencing becomes more quiet, steadier. So, you see, so it's really to just to to calm and clarify the mind, rather than to make an ultimate statement about the nature of um, bodies and such. But we can use that, you know. And we can see this. There's a certain sense of the unity of the of all forms. All forms manifest the world of form manifests in these particular ways, a certain amount of solidity to it, like this um, oak pillar here. You know. So in some sense, you know, Sister Tania and the oak pillar have that in common. They have a certain degree of solidity to them. And uh, then shape, they have a certain shape to them. Shape is different, but they're both shaped. So we can just recognise that, uh, the sense of, and they both eventually break up. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you see the world around. So you can take the the contemplative practices into, into the external realm, you know, looking at things in that particular way, rather than, because we do walk around with our eyes open, so in that way, very often this whole perceptual projected um, you know, stuff is happening so 
so much of it and so automatically that a lot of things are being inferred and carried over and put out and painted on um, that make it very difficult to to keep the same sense of steadiness or calm. So we're using something like that to be able to, to to see, oh, this is there's a form, and then that's what I make of it. That's what's being made of it. That's the memories. That's the perceptions. Not those are inaccurate, you know, but they are a slightly separate thing. And what could we say in this is mine? Where does that come from? Can I make fingers? If I lose a finger, am I not here? No, the same sense of me is still around. If I cut my nails, I don't feel any less of a less me. Shave my head, I don't feel any less me. It's all there still. So the sense of me is not really commensurate with this physical form. It's something that gets inferred onto a physical form, but it's not the same thing. And we reckon, how old am I? You know, well in one sense you could look at the birth certificate, and well, his body's been around for so many years, but how old am I doesn't make a lot of sense really, because, you know, it's the same old, it's the same sense as, as, as from day one, if you like. It's got some more details on it. But it's the same basic sense of, hey, this thing, I'm in here, here I am, you know. And first it was just basically that's all it was saying. You know, baga, aga, aga, this, me, yeah. Now, it's, now it gets more complicated. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so this sense of, of being a subject is like a, um, a homing signal and it gets placed onto a body this is, this is where it lives it lives in here that's, it, that's the sense of it but when we begin to contemplate these, these bodies and elements in this way we, we begin to recognise no, it doesn't live in here actually in fact these elements you know come and go within, within it you know, there's some sense of being me and at times, that feels like that gets associated with the sensations in the body or the physical appearance of the body. Mm. At times, it doesn't. Sometimes it's associated with a thought. Very often, it's associated with a feeling or a perception. So, you can't say that I'm a body or even in a body, but you can more say that bodily elements arise. You know, and are held in a subjective sense as mine. That does occur. So we're able to be a little more dispassionate about body, a little less uh, um, tense about it. <coughs> now the elements of can use in this. This is very much a visual way of of meditating or contemplating but another another way that elements are used is more in the tactile sense and this is 
um, sense of touch. So we can feel the solidity of earth, we can feel the warmth of heat, we can feel the suppleness of, of the water element. We can feel the sense of the momentary brushing of the air element. And just to, you know, say that in in any form, any all these elements are mixed together. So you don't, you know, it's not just that the thing is purely earth. It's earth plus water plus a certain degree of heat or vitality and a certain degree of mobility or immobility. So these oak pillars have not got a lot of air in them. Uh, but there is space in those fibres. Um, so it's just to say that you know, when you particularly when you get into the sense of touch, you can feel in any part of your body. You can probably feel uh, some degree of pressure. You know, the sense of that being relatively solid, and you can probably feel some degree of warmth in it. Not much. It's quite cool, or it feels very hot. So these two. Uh, you know, characteristics you can recognize you might be able to sort of feel how moist it is although moisture is rather more difficult to discern in the body there's only kind of the dampness of the mouth but you can perhaps feel more the a subtler sense of the water element which is the suppleness of the body whether it feels tight hard rigid or whether it feels supple mm. so you come to the um, and you can feel the breathing in and out, the air, and the, the sense of rhythms and movements in the body. <clears throat> so you come to something like the tactile experience. Um, and this is significant that you can, for meditation, because the tactile, unlike the visual, is much more associated with the affective sense. So when we can see something, it's over there, it's out there. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to do anything to me. So I can look at it and think, oh, it's nice, I don't like that very much, and look the other way. I've got a choice. You know? I can look at it, say what I think about it, tell you what it is, then go on to the next topic. Tactile doesn't happen that way. It happens to you. It gets you. Right? And um, it involves you saying, you know, hey, you, hey, hey. <laughs> it's poking you, right? Yeah. So it's not about objective definitions and descriptions of things, which is what the visual thing does. It's more about feeling got at by things, either pleasurably or, um, or, or disagreeably. It's an effective thing. So you know when you touch something, it touches you. So because of that, it's a much closer sense, a sense to the heart, to the effective emotive sense. Mm. With sight, you've got a chance to think about it. With touch, you don't. It's already happening. So around that, there's a lot of we can reflexes, reactive fear reflex. That's pain. Get away. That's hot. Too hot. Out. So much so that the, 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 that whole tactile sense can plugs into the autonomous, automatic nervous system. So it can, you can act before you even really recognise what was going on. You know, so it touched you and you, you jumped, you dropped it before you even had a chance to figure out what was going on. It's an automatic thing. So it really 
the tactile senses, tactile sense um, really gets into us. It invades us. It saturates us with uh, pleasant and painful feeling and we don't have a lot of say in that. We might be able to choose what we touch but you can't choose necessarily what's going to touch you. And particularly when it comes to this body, because whatever you do with it, you've still got the internal touch of the pressure of the bones, um, the movement of the blood and movement in the viscera, in the organs, and the particular pains and twinges, and the heat and the cold of it going on all the time. You know? So you, you know, you're assailed by this tactile experience. Um, so around that, the sense of of where I am, you know, in this becomes very much associated with how I am. So it begins to blur from just a pure description, oh, that there, that's you, you know, that's where you are, this bit here's me, to, which is just purely a locational thing, into I don't feel so good, you know. So it's not, you know, the, the tactile shades into how I am. And we start to get all that concern of, well, we feel comfortable, feel a bit cold, wrap up a bit, too hot, loosen up a bit, take this off, put that on, what's going to be like tonight? Oh, pain in my knee, what's that, what does that mean, serious or not serious? This kind of thing is flickering all the time, you know, being got at. Hmm. Um, so th- there's a huge amount of um, resonance and reactivity and responses going on around the tactile sense. And it becomes very useful to be able to de- determine the tactile experience in elemental ways, like, oh, this is the, this is the heat element. This is the, the fieriness of, a, of, a, of um, a fire sense, a vitality sense, of, which can be either pleasantly warm or disagreeably hot. It can be a, an agreeable vitality or an over-hyper state where we feel just buzzing and the vitality seems to be searing and burning us up. Or we can feel cold and you know, numb, cold, no vitality. And so in this way the, the elements have the same sort of significance as the, the, the humours of medieval um, Europe, you, know, you talk about sanguine and choleric and phlegmatic and so on, because they do eventually become emotional effects. That I'm burning up. I'm really on fire with that. You know, I feel really solid. I'm going rigid. I'm numbing out. You know, and um, I feel warm. Or I feel cool. I'm going somewhere to chill out a bit. <laughs> Or you know, which are quite generally positive senses, but then you also get the negative senses. You know, um, frozen. I feel frozen. You f- you froze. She gave me a freezing glance. She froze me out. <laughs> it bores me stiff. <laughs> and things are really flowing between us. Or or you're a real drip. <laughs> When things are just, you know, when nothing's really taking any any shape, it's too soggy. So you see how these kind of you get emotional tech.
are dealing with emotional resonances um, and, and the particular reactions that occur around it so you can feel the heat of uh, passion or you know the positive qualities of water the harmonizing flowing quality of water mm. but water's is negative aspect is it can't separate so everything you take on everything so strong water signs tend to get affected, ripple with everything that occurs and leaf drops on it and there's some sort of shimmer so it's difficult to differentiate you know in that sense, say oh that's just that Mm. so but then if we are able to see oh this is just the water element that's the water element Mm. that's the fire element that's the earth element then there's some sense of being able to find um, a cool place, a non-clinging place, the deathless element, with with that going on. So the, this is the, we when you use the discernment to to be able to differentiate experience. Discernment is one aspect of liberation. You might say it's the crowning feature of liberation. The other aspect of liberation is the sense of well-being. One is liberated from the um, sense of of pain or dis or disharmony or dissonance in a more um, immediate sense or a more um, tangible sense. So, using the elements in this way, we find trying to bring the elements into balance. You see, you contemplate your your um, bodily sense, and with this, you have the what well, the external tactile sensation, which is to do with um, you know, what's touching my body, and also internal tactile sensations, whether you have a pain in your stomach or headache or something like that. And also you have subtler, which are, which are to do with the sympathetic nervous system. That is, they're localized things. They have locations. Pain in my head. Um, something's touching my leg. And that, you know, so you get what are called sympathetic things, means that some sense of pleasure or pain or reflex or reaction occurs in sympathy with that. But you also have parasympathetic which is just the general tonal sense. I feel okay. I feel fluttery. I feel woozy. I feel tight. I feel loose. I feel bright. I feel dull. Um, And those often they don't have any particular location. It's just an overall sense of that. And this is associated with particular qualities of of harmony or disharmony in the overall bodily experience. This is a subtle level of bodily experience, and yet a a significant one, because this is what um, flags or determines our general mood. 
I feel, you know, I've got, you know, I've got a blister on my foot, but I basically feel okay. Yeah, I feel, I feel fine. And it's, I feel, I feel confident. I feel happy. I feel, yeah, I feel okay. I feel more here. Mm. And you can't say which bit. It's an overall sense. Mm. So, in finding that sense of okayness, because if there isn't that sense of okayness, then there's fretting or depression, or anxiety, or aversion, irritation. So this is naturally something we aim for in in meditation. And working on the bodily sense, the subtle bodily sense of the body's energies. I call them energies because they are they're definitely discernible and you can't, they change, they, they move and flow, they change and uh, they're effective they affect us so we might say you can recognize the quality of uh, vitality or numbness with your hands feel glowing or, or, or you can't feel them very much whether one side of your body feels stronger than the other side and most people experience different kinds of imbalances. not something so particularly strange if you feel slightly stronger one side than another. You know, one side of your face feels more sensitive than the other side. Mm. So, you know, you begin to um, recognize the overall sense of how well I am, how okay I am, really depends upon how harmonized all these subtle energetic senses are. And these energetic senses are affected by disease, but they're also affected by moods. So you get the, the mental or psychological, emotional effects start to have physiological effects, and that uh, affects one's um, physical form. Mm. You can feel sick with worry, for example, literally. So we've been just trying to find this, we call, I call this a subtle body or an inner body as compared with the, the flesh body that experiences you know, sense contact. It's more a subtle body which experiences um, physiological change and is also very much well bound up with um, psychological and emotional states and that's the significance of it because if we can begin to bring this subtle body into harmony then we're finding a place where our emotional and psychological states are also feel balanced and grounded and with that then there's less room for the hindrances um, to take to uh, get activated So then you begin to contemplate the this subtle body, this subtle inner sense of a body. Mm. How big do I feel? You, know, you couldn't really measure it in terms of meters and centimeters, but you feel quite small. Feel expansive. Actually, I feel slightly tight or held in here. 
when I'm outside I feel a little bigger when I'm in here I feel a bit smaller, a bit compressed didn't notice that before you know, you can recognize that's nothing say, you know, the same physical body but the subtle body changes um, you know, feel more delicate so we can I feel tense mm. I feel sort of withdrawn these these so you can begin to experience how your energies shift around and produce psychological states so when you locate that that sense of that and then we're using meditation to uh, refer to the body and the breathing of the body so there's a continual sense of of massaging the subtle body with physical sensation so you're bonding it to the rhythm of the breathing or to the uprightness of the body or to the, the sense of the you know the, the physical harmony of the body as it sits or stands or walks you're walking in a balanced way um, you're connecting very strongly to the body so you're making that act of walking or sitting something that is where one's not carrying tension one is not one is there's a complete presence there so you're bringing a lot of full presence into it, into the body into it being embodied really being here and releasing things that are not needed you know that sense of stress or shock that one carries which make you feel slightly contracted or fluttery or not really grounded so the more you bring that sense of real presence in there then the subtle body begins to become more awake, alive and you can feel the sense of the, the firmness of that the vitality of it or the flowingness of it it begins a place of some delight in just in standing and walking and sitting which is great news because you know then well that it's you know you don't have to go to the movies anymore you can just walk around and have a nice time and sitting can be an extremely enjoyable experience uh, the Buddha said just this kind of being able to sit under a tree um, in this subtle bodily sense was a source of bliss <coughs> Because it's really, eventually, you can recognize that what gives us happiness is, an, is some kind of energetic um, <coughs> flush. So somebody says an interesting idea to you, you know, why do we like to talk? We get stimulated. There's some kind of sense of fire. Oh, it really brightened up with that. Or we get soothed, calmed down. So, you know, it's not... How does a thought a word, uh, you know, a page of a book, do that to, to me, you know. How do those little black marks, those sound things, how do they do that to my sense of well-being? Well, they stimulate particular energies. The energy then feeds into the bodily sense. You get a sense of, you know, really, really interesting piece, you feel something bright. Oh, bright and vigorous again. Um, you see something and you get that sense. 
um, something calms or makes you feel firm and solid or resolute or bright. So you see how the all with our sense of well-being really depends upon these subtle effects. So when we are coming to terms with the very primary base of those, you're able to generate a sense of well-being just by being in your own body. So you don't, you know, you're not dependent on the interesting thing happening. You're not dependent on events which are precarious. You're not dependent upon, you know, a book or a show or something like that. Being here is a source of well-being. So when you uh, contemplate, as we've been, been sort of outlining, this is a subtle body, that sense of, of most intimately who, how I experience myself, and for most of us that will be, have certain afflictions to it, which we won't even recognize probably because we're so used to it. But when you sit or stand or walk, you begin to realize, hey, okay, this feels really heavy. It feels really tight. You know, what am I carrying? You know, why is it such a well, walking up and down? Why is it so difficult? Or you know, walking in a straight line backwards and forwards. I feel kind of well, it's almost like you've got a tight sheet wrapped around you. you know, your energy is actually constricted. So you feel uncomfortable. And the only way we would get normally release that discomfort is by or run or see something or talk to somebody or have a sleep or you know, something that gives us different energy to change it around. But when we come to, you know, meditation, we're putting aside those those possibilities, we've got to work directly on shifting the energy of our body in a sense. What is that sense of why, why, is it, why am I so restless? Why is, it, why is there the restlessness or the dullness? You know, oh, actually, I can't even feel I've got a chest. You know, I'm just buzz, I'm a buzzing head. Oh. You come down into really feeling the chest, or, or you feel it feels tight, and you recognise your shoulders are hunched. Oh, when I drop, why am I doing that? You begin to release that. Or when you're walking along, you're just kind of plodding along, there's no real awareness of how the back and the pelvis and the, the whole thing operates. So we're only walking with a little bit of our body, and most of it's dead. It's a couple of feet and a brain, a dead bit in the middle. You're kind of dragging it along. Uh, you know, not even much of a foot, it's just a head running along, backwards and forwards. No wonder you don't feel so good. And can you come into being the whole body so when you walk, your ears walk and your nose walks, you know, and your chest knows it's walking and your hips know they're walking. They don't have to do anything, but they can at least be there and feel how the energy, when you feel it, then you feel the energy moving through the body because your body's now all present. And something like walking is then quite a symphony um, of experiences 
and you begin to map that out. Right. There's a certain sense of rigidity here, or there's a sense of numbness here. Why don't I bring more attention, more awareness here? Why don't I try relaxing here? Why don't I actually ask this bit to be more present? You know, come in, come in, are you here? So we're learning, not by doing anything physically, but just doing things in terms of attitude, awareness, So you get an awareness that begins to handle these, this subtle body. And all uh, meditation in this way is always based upon right intent, the intent to bring around well-being. So an awareness that's based upon that. It's not trying to say be this or be that, but just be well. So walking along, bringing the sense of may this body be well, as a general sense, and then in the, in the more specialised sense, may this bristliness, do I need this bristliness? Perhaps it could just relax. May it relax. It's not necessary now, you're alright, you're okay. Oh yeah. Could you feel the ground a little more? You ask your feet to feel the ground a little more. Oh, that feels better. Mm. Ask your shoulders if they need to to be so active, could they just relax into your back? Oh, that feels better. So it's just that you realise that once you when you bring the body into full presence, and you can detect these elemental imbalances, this feels too rigid, this feels cold, this feels fiery, this feels out of sync in some way or another, then the awareness that can register those can also infuse those with remedy. So you don't do it from your brain, but the, the whole parasympathetic is sympathetic, you know. <laughs> it inclines towards finding out a way for the whole system to be well. So we incline towards that, the, what we call the parasympathetic, is just the sense of, you know, are you well now? Is it okay? Do you need that? Oh, you relax. Or something, one bit of you is not here right now. You know, could you invite that to come in? So, oh yes, the chest wasn't actually here. It disappeared. The sense of fullness comes up again. So, you know, walking along, bringing your body sympathetically present with what's going on. Um, so it's a little more than just monitoring sensations. Is it much more responsive um, um, process occurring. And with with that awareness on the effective level, it's a moment at a time. You know, you keep walking along and, you know, one moment it was all there and then, oh, your arm just fell off. 
and then the other arm went, and then your back disappeared. Eventually there's only some knees and a foot and a brain walking along again. You know, little bits of you strewn all over the meditation path. Come back and pick up your arm, put your head back on its shot, put some shoulders underneath your head, okay, you know, fit it all together. The next moment another bit drops off. So it, it's often, you know, the default can be to be losing bits of your subtle body. This is because the subtle body is the thing that experiences shock, um, dis- mistrust, fear. It, it's associated with a tactile um, base which is highly reactive and not under one's conscious control. It's, it's the automatic nervous system. So, and one of the basic defences against shock is to is to disappear. We freeze. So you know, as you know, if somebody just shouted at you, probably for that moment you freeze. You know, and you're not there, and then you come back, and you might get angry or something. For that moment, bit of you, you, you disappear. That's if you like the, the the default for protection. It's to not be here. You've been shouted at quite a lot. <laughs> Eventually, you're not here very much at all. <laughs> There's only a little bit here. You, know, you can see something; it doesn't mean anything. You, know, you can walk around, and there's no body; it's just your thoughts. You, know, you don't feel a body here. Um, you, know, you see something; there's no response. You can hear things; no response to it. Not really here. You get so the accumulation of stress and suffering we haven't been able to properly handle or digest is to is to drop out. So it means that actually inviting oneself back into presence is a patient skill and it's done through this remedial awareness, blessedness, loving kindness, the encouraged patience, the encouragement to say you, you can be here. You're welcome here. You belong here. You're okay here. You can be whole here. Um, and, you know, there's a lot there actually. Because as we begin to touch into some of this subtle stuff of the body, we've also recognized some of the reasons why we're not here. You know, the sadness or the frightenedness or the um, you know shockness mm. so it becomes important to um, you know be able to to systematically bring that healing attention right into into our practice as we sit and stand and walk and recline mm. can this all be here can these elements come into balance? Are you stiffened? Are you rigid? You know, what's that about? Do you feel a sense of rigidity? What's that about? You know, very basic shock defense pattern. Do you feel a sense of dis- bits of you disappearing? Mm. Sinking down? Flaring up? Mm. Suddenly get very fiery 
flaring up, what's that about? Mm. So then we contemplate these and the just receiving that all that with this is the fire this is the earth Mm. may this be well breathe through this walk through this sit with this talk to this practice with this and it gradually comes into harmony because that's really what's needed just that sense of inviting and encouragement and reassurance shifts start to occur Mm. you feel a little bit larger a bit wider a bit more grounded a bit more um, more substantial in a subtle way and these shifts seem to be kind of almost magical they are they are subtle agencies that uh, that are an attribute of awareness uh, and uh, as one comes more into touch with that then there are um, ways one can extend one's space or extend one's um, subtle body or subtle presence beyond this physical <coughs> form so there are kinds of it gets very um, these are psychic powers developed from that but just towards bringing harmony and healing into our into our intimate realm so that when we feel that sense of wholeness then it's just this There isn't a need to build on it because it, it's it's already there. When there isn't a need to build on it, the builder disappears. It's just this, and that kind of spider mind, the me mind, can take a break. This is the mind, this is the non-clinging, or the deathless element. It arises from the harmony of the other elements, and the practice with the other elements. Yeah.